Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. And so here's how I want to start today. I want to talk to you in the context of this series about the value of hospitality today. And so it's great that my mom and dad are here this morning because they are two of the most hospitable people that I know. In my entire life, they're just supremely gifted with the gift of hospitality. As far back as I can remember, my parents were hosting tons of people in my home. They love to host parties. They are the hosts with the most. They're just awesome. They're just a fantastic dynamic duo. It was nothing for me as a kid to go to sleep with the sound of 20, 30, maybe even 40 people in my house laughing, having a good time, listening to music, enjoying each other, just great friendship and fun. I can't, I can't count how many times I went to sleep with the sound of hospitality happening in my home. They have, I have some old school pictures. They used to throw huge St. Patrick's Day parties. Look at these old school vintage photos. Uh, when, when you move to Florida, I was born in Seattle. When you move to Florida, you instantly become the vacation destination of your entire family, right? Anybody here knows this if you relocated to Florida. So there's a picture of me. I think, Susan, I think you're actually in this picture. So we always have family from all over the country that we would host. They loved parties and holidays. They love to have just special theme things like murder mystery dinners. Look at that. Look at that 80s-tastic cummerbund on my dad. Remember those? Yeah. So fantastic fun murder mystery dinners and oh my goodness, lots and lots and lots of fun. My parents um, through all these types of things. Now my parents also love to express hospitality in more meaningful ways than they just knew how to throw a good party and have a good time. I remember uh, one time when we were growing up in our church, there was um, uh, um, um, a mother and a teenage daughter who um, their, the husband left the family to go be with another woman. And they had nowhere to go. And so mom and dad invited them to come move in with us for six months to get on their feet and to just live with us and be a part of our family. I remember there was one Thanksgiving. I, came out, uh, I grew up in a family of four. It was my mom, my dad, and just me and my brother. And I remember one Thanksgiving, we had 20 people in our house. Because it wasn't a huge family gathering, the only Johnstons who were there was the four of us. Everybody else in our house was there because they had nowhere else to go for Thanksgiving and they would have been alone on that day. And mom and dad invited them to their table. So it was our table and a card table and a kid table and another table. You know, it was one of those things. Um, This is the home that I grew up in and it deeply impacted me. The hospitality really, really matters. It was a deeply important value in our home. In fact, um, Leah and I made the values for our house uh, where we actually put them up on our dining room wall where we have our family mission statement and the values and right under value number one, that Jesus is the king of our family. Value number two, hospitality. We make others feel at home. We make others feel at home. And so this is really important for my family values. Now I'm not here today to talk about the Johnston family values and whatnot. I'm here today to talk about the family values of the family of God. And if you want to be part of the family of God, invited in by his son, Jesus, who's prepared a seat for you at the family table, one of the top family values is hospitality. And I want to talk to you about that today. So we're in this series called Who Cares? Everyone say that. Who cares? That's right. Don't say it so enthusiastic. Like, who cares, Pastor Trevor? Listen, okay. 
Who cares? And we're talking about learning how to grow a heart like Christ. Who cares about these things? Who cares about the world? Who cares? Jesus cares. And we're learning to care like Jesus cares. Our theme verse comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Let's read this all together. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. This series is about compassion, and the source of all compassion, Scripture says, is the God and Father of Jesus. So, our passage for today. We're going to be going back to where we were two weeks ago. We're going to be looking again at Matthew chapter 25. Now, we were just read this a couple weeks ago. Some of you might be thinking, wait, did you, could you not come up with new sermon material? Wait, hold on now. Um, there's so much truth in this passage, we had to take a second round. We had to take a second lap around it because there's fruit still on that tree that's important to the series that we want all of you to know. So we're going back there from where we were two weeks ago. Matthew 25, verses 31 through 46. And these are the words of Jesus here. And this is what he says to us today. Jesus said, when the Son of Man comes in all his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. The king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison. You came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you, a stranger, invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick and in prison or go visit you? Then the king replied, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me. You who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you didn't clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. And they will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger needing clothes or sick and in prison and did not help you? And he replied, truly, I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. So Lord Jesus, I pray now that you would, just like you breathed on the disciples to receive the Holy Spirit, would you breathe on all of us here and all of us streaming online and listening to this maybe even later so that we would have our hearts open to hear your words spoken fresh to us. Lord, not my words, but a demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. 
in this place. We ask this in your name. And all God's people said, amen. All right. Let's briefly recap where we were two weeks ago. Jesus is in the middle of Holy Week. This is the week of his betrayal, his crucifixion, his death, and his resurrection. This, I think, is probably, I'm guessing, like Tuesday or Wednesday during that week when Jesus is telling this parable. Excuse me, when Jesus is telling the story. Before Jesus tells this teaching, he's speaking completely in parables, and he's telling word stories to paint a picture to teach people about the kingdom of God. Jesus flips a switch, and in this story, starting in verse 31, he quits telling parables. He just starts telling it like it is. And he begins to tell people, this is what's going to happen at the end of all time in the final judgment. This is what's going to happen. And so two weeks ago, I told you, it's like Jesus is telling everybody there's a test and it's coming. He's letting everybody know this is going to happen. Every single person will stand before him one day and he will give a test to, he'll be the judge of how we responded to some of these things. Now, the great thing about this is Jesus wants nobody to perish. Why does somebody tell you that a test is coming exactly what's on the test? It's because they want you to pass the test. Jesus is not being mean or cruel. Jesus is being compassionate and kind here because he wants nobody to perish. So there's this test, and the test is about what he calls the least of these, the poor and the marginalized, and how we treat them. And mysteriously, he says that not only is there a test about the least of these, but this dynamic, mysterious component in this that he tells us that whenever we encounter somebody who's considered one of the least of these, there's a disguise involved where sometimes, some way, somehow mysteriously, all of Christian scripture through the Old Testament all the way through the New Testament testifies that God sometimes comes in disguise to test us. And so what we do, we do for him. And what we don't do, we didn't do for him. It's fascinating. It's fascinating. Now, we talked about a lot of those pieces about the value of loving the least of these two weeks ago. But I want to hone in today on just two verses in particular in this passage, verses 35 and 36. We're going to put them on the screen. Here's what Jesus says. For I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. If you're taking notes, underline that phrase there if you can. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. For many of us, we read these six things as the six ways to show compassion for the least of these. If somebody's hungry, you feed them. If they're thirsty, you give them something to drink. If they need clothes, you clothe them. If they're sick, you take care of them. If they're a stranger, you welcome them in. If they're in prison, you go visit them. You do those six things. This is how we walk out compassion for the least of these. And that's totally valid and true and good. I'm not here to repudiate any of that. That's how we read it in 2022 as people part of Western civilization, as followers of Jesus in the United States, in Florida, in Palm Beach County, loving the 561. That's how we see it. But what's fascinating is that if you read Matthew 25 and you read how the first followers of Jesus read this early on and for the first 1,700 years of Christianity, they read it differently than that. They didn't see six things. They saw one thing. They saw welcoming a stranger and inviting them in as the context for which they practiced all of it. Hospitality was the lens through which they saw this passage. We don't see that because our society has changed. We have hospitals. We have hospice care. Homes now are very sm- are much smaller and they're individualized. There's church and state and social wel- welfare lines. But in the ancient world, all they had was the home. 
That's how their entire family life, extended family life, their work life, and their religious life all was in the home. It was the social fabric of how they cared for people in their society. They read this passage primarily as a passage about hospitality, as an expression of compassion for all six of the things. Um, Last week, I was gone. I was on spring break with my kids. Anybody else gone out of town on spring break? It was a lot of fun. Great. Great. And um, I went to St. Augustine with our kids, and we did all the touristy stuff. Like, we went to the fort, we went to Ripley's, believe it or not, which is way weirder as an adult than I remember being as a kid. <laughs> uh, we went to the Pirate Museum, and then we made a day trip to the Jacksonville Zoo. And here's a picture of our kids looking at stuff. And um, I got suckered into giving each of them a quarter to drop in the viewfinder there, even though they're looking at an animal they can already see that's just 40 yards away, you know? <laughs> and... Um, and so it's interesting, we're looking at these animals through these viewfinders. What you have to understand about passages of Scripture is you're not coming to it just you and the Bible, and that's it. You have a lens through which you see the Scripture, which is your context and your culture. There's nothing wrong about that. You just need to be aware of it. Our lens, our viewfinder that we're looking at Scripture is different than how most Christians for all of time have read this passage. And so what's the point of that today? Like, well, they read it differently than us. Great, go to lunch. You have now won the trivia thing. What does this matter? This matters because if you learn how to see it a little bit how they saw it, it can add to your expression and growth and compassion and how to walk that out. In fact, Henry Nouwen, the renowned author and writer, said this. He said, if there's any concept worth restoring to its original depth and evocative potential, is the concept of hospitality. So we have things to learn from the first followers of Jesus for the first 1,700 years of Christianity about hospitality. So what is hospitality? What is this? Most people think of friends and family and hosting people in your homes. You might be thinking of people who are really good at cooking or baking or um, table arrangements, or maybe you have really nice dishes, or you're great at hosting guests, or maybe you're a great baker. Um, maybe you're great, maybe not necessarily those things. Maybe you're a man or woman who loves to grill out. Anybody love to grill? Yeah. So one of the things, my brother is a big-time griller, loves to grill. In fact, he loves to grill, loves to smoke meat too, and he has a big green egg. Anybody know what a big green egg is? Yeah. Who has a big green egg in here? I'm trying to see whose house I'm going to eat at later, okay? Okay. <laughs> So my brother has a big green egg where he smokes meat and ribs and wings. I mean, it's just phenomenal. So if you ever go to anybody's house, you see a big green ceramic egg with smoke coming out from the top of it. You're about to eat some real good food, let me tell you. And I'm really hungry right now. Can you tell? <laughs> now, when we think about hospitality of homes and friends and family and food, all that's good. That is a part of hospitality. But I'm here to tell you today is that Christian hospitality, the value, the ethic, the practice of Christian hospitality is way bigger than a big green egg. In fact, it's way bigger than your house. It's not about a place. It's about a practice. It's not about a location. It's about an ethic. So what is Christian hospitality. Well, this is what we define as this. If you look in the Greek, the word hospitality literally means loving strangers. That's what it means, loving strangers. And in the context of all of scripture, Christian hospitality means this, loving and welcoming strangers in need. Loving and welcoming strangers in need, especially when they can't pay you back. Jesus says here in Luke 14, then Jesus said to his host, he was at a party, 
When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers, or your sisters, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you'll be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Wow. All of the Old Testament, all of Jesus' teachings, all the rest of the teachings of the New Testament talk about this value of loving and welcoming strangers in need, especially when they can't pay you back. And the way you love and welcome a stranger is by making them feel home wherever you are, by giving them something to eat, by giving them something to drink, by clothing them, by taking care of them, by welcoming them, even going visiting them if they can't visit you. And it's hard to overstate how important this value is in the Bible. Um, I outed myself two weeks ago as a little bit of a metalhead. Um, I said, one of my favorite bands, I listen to a lot of Christian music, I listen to worship music, so don't everybody think Pastor Trevor listens to, you know, death metal or whatever like that. But one of my favorite bands is Metallica. I love Metallica. Any Metallica fans in here? Yeah, that's right. My children may or may not know the lyrics to Enter Sandman. I'm just saying. <laughs> so I love Metallica. Well, if you're a metalhead, you have certain things that always flow through your head, particularly probably have lines of a spoof comedy mockumentary in the 1980s called This is Spinal Tap. Anybody know what Spinal Tap is? It's a goofy movie. Probably don't go watch it. Okay. So anyway, there's a scene in Spinal Tap where it's a mockumentary where they're walking around and what the lead guitarist of this British metal band is showing off all his guitars to the person who's interviewing him in the documentary. And he's showing him all these different guitars. And then he shows him to his custom-made Marshall amp that not only goes to 10 on the volume, go and put the picture up, they can now crank it up to what? 11. That's right. Crank it to 11, baby. Now, when the, when the interviewer is looking at him, and he says, why not just have Marshall make 10 louder? And the, the guitarist looks at him and goes, because that's not 11. <laughs> because 11 is one more than 10. You have to take it to 11. So every metalhead is like, take it to 11. Yeah. Why in the world am I telling you this? <laughs> to tell you this story. I was at Florida State for eight years, not because I was a super senior, but I graduated and I spent four and a half years on staff at a campus ministry doing college church, reaching college students for Jesus. And when I first got there, and this is where Leah and I fell in love and we got married. When we got there at first, my freshman year, there was 80 students there. By the time we left, my last Sunday morning there, we had 550 students. Praise God. And that's with, yeah, praise God, Jesus did it all. And that's with graduating a quarter of your congregation every single year. It was a move of God. It was a move of God. It was thrilling to be a part of it. It was awesome. Well, the week before New Student Week, so there's Rhythms in Campus Ministry. The week before New Student Week, uh, before all the freshmen came, our pastor would, in church, preach every single year on that Sunday about the value of hospitality. And he would talk about if the Bible could rate hospitality on importance a scale of 1 to 10, the Bible and Jesus and every great Christian leader in the scriptures would say hospitality on a scale of 1 to 10, it's a 11. It's 11. It's 11 because Jesus says, you're actually doing it for me. It's 11 because he says, you're going to be tested on this. 
It's 11 because he says, this is evidence if you know me or not. It matters. It's 11 because you want to be a sheep. You don't want to be a goat. Gross. You want to be a sheep. You want to go to eternal blessings. You want to inherit eternal life. You want all of that. Now, that's true. Way down the road, hopefully for most of us, at the end of time, the final judgment, that's where we're going to experience the greatest blessing for practicing Christian hospitality to the least of these. But there's blessings in this life if you practice it. Two. First, practicing hospitality will grow your soul. There's a prayer from the Book of Common Prayer. If you grew up in an Episcopal context or an Anglican context, there's this prayer in the Book of Common Prayer that says, Lord Jesus, you stretched out your arms on the hard wood of the cross so that the whole world might come within the saving reach of your embrace. It's like all of Christian hospitality is rooted in Jesus' welcoming of you and me into his father's house. He's the great host. When you and I were strangers, he welcomed us in. When you and I were separated from God and estranged from him, he laid down his life and died in our place so that we could come home to the father. Any expression of hospitality, of loving and welcoming strangers is just a reenactment of Jesus wrapping his arms around you. And so when you learn to, in Christian hospitality, wrap your arms around the least of these, the hungry and the thirsty and the naked and the destitute, you're reenacting what he's done for you. And when you learn to imitate Jesus, it grows your soul. That's one. Now, our church, I'm floored that our church does this in a million different amazing ways. If you haven't been on the missions page on our website lately, you should do yourself a favor and go check it out. I'm not telling anybody to sign up for anything. This is just an awesome example. It's full of ways where people do all these things described in Matthew 25, but really when it comes down to it, it's all these Jesus lovers in our church who are just putting arms around people in his name, welcoming them with food and water and whatever else they need because they've been welcomed into the family of God. We're not welcoming people to our home. We're welcoming into our father's home because he's welcomed us and we say you're welcome too one of the most underknown ways that we do this is through the care portal which is an amazing foster care tool that we have in our church the care portal this is like the best kept secret at community of hope this is a website that connects individuals and churches with real needs in our community that helps families be helps keep families from being separated and kids being sent to the foster care system like, for instance, a, a request got sent out where a family needed a hotel for a week. If they could get a hotel for a week, they would get back on their feet for shelter, and then these kids wouldn't need to be separated from their family. Somebody in our church paid to put them up in a hotel, and that family stayed united and wasn't split apart by DCF. Praise God, right? <laughs> Praise God. Today, with things like this on the care portal, there's 45 people in our church on this team. We've met 46 needs and ministered to 110 children, protecting them and loving them and meeting real needs in our community. And all it is is people in our church wrapping their arms around others with the welcome they've received from Jesus expressed in many different ways. It will grow your soul when you learn to welcome strangers in need. And here's the second thing. 
Practicing hospitality pushes back against the darkness in the world. Is it getting darker out there? It is. There's a story, there's a picture. This is a group of Jewish children during World War II. And there's a story about how they all came together of a little village in South France called Les Chambon. And when France fell under, uh, when France fell and came under the Vichy regime, that was collaborating with Nazi Germany, this little town of Les Chambon that was full of Jesus lovers and a pastor in the community mobilized his community. It was not a large town. It was a little village of less than 3,000 people. And they mobilized, said, not on our watch. We will push back against the darkness. Jesus has welcomed us, and we will welcome others. And so they began to be a shelter for Jewish men and women and children who were otherwise being sent off to concentration death camps out of France. This little village of 3,000 people under the ethic of Jesus and the ethic of Christian hospitality, 3,000 people saved 5,000 Jews. You want to know how to fight Nazi Germany? You love and welcome strangers in need. You fight with spiritual weapons. You fight with the weapons of Jesus. They not only saved lives, their moral witness to the rest of France repudiated the moral witness of Hitler. Do you want to push back against darkness in our land? Do you want to fight the evil that's existing in the world? Stretch out your arms like Jesus did on the cross and say to others, you can find home in me and love and welcome strangers in need. The band's gonna come on up. We're gonna say a closing prayer together and they're gonna sing a song. Now in our series, we're preaching the Sermon on the Mount and How Life Works. Pastor Dale taught us a prayer with our hands and I want to do it together now just seated where you are so everyone take your fists like this we're going to pray with our hands and hold your hands out in front of you like this and pray this with me I confess that my natural human posture is to fight for myself now stretch out your hands like this but I confess as a follower of Jesus I choose now, surrender. My life is not my own. Okay, now hands closed again in front of you like this. Say, I confess my natural human posture is to hoard and keep for myself. I know hands open, extended out. But as a follower of Jesus, I choose now posture of hospitality. All I have is not mine. It's yours, Lord. Last one. Close your fists. Cross them like this. I confess my natural human posture is to stand on the sidelines and say it's not my problem. But now, hands out, arms open. Try not to hit the person next to you. But I choose now, as a follower of Jesus, to say to the least and the last, 
and the lost and the stranger, you can find a home with me. Jesus. No, I'm just praying. (laughs) Teach us to welcome others like you did as an expression of your compassion. In your name I pray, amen. The band's gonna sing a song called Anchor. And I want you to sit and reflect. Let this be a time where in your hearts, you're singing this or praying this song for someone else, for the least of these, for somebody in Ukraine, maybe somebody hurting in your life, or even for you. Let's sing. We have prayer teams here available on the side here for anybody in person who needs prayer. If you're hurting, if you need anything, come get prayer. Come this way before you go that way. But otherwise, friends, may you go forth from this place. Go love and welcome strangers in need. Go love Jesus in the least of these. Go be a sheep and not a goat. Go show hospitality. In Jesus' name, God bless you. We'll see you next weekend.